guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockbun Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Happy follow all the holidays, everyone. We are through week seven, only two more weeks to go. What is going on in the House of Commons? Um, lots of drama, lots to talk about. We had... 13 movies this week. So like I told you, we're on the downward slope now for sure. Last year, we had a whole extra week. I'm pretty sure there were 10 weeks of Christmas movies last year. And there's only two more weekends to go, which is banana sandwich to me. Um, We had Neil Bledsoe leave GAC family. <laughs> that news came in last night. Um... Yeah, we had some somewhat kind of blatant plagiarism again from GAC Family um, from Hallmark Channel. And yeah, we, we had Hallmark Movies and Mysteries making me absolutely violently sob again. And some good movies. So let's get into it. Okay, we are going to kick things off with Lifetime's Thursday movie that was Serving Up the Holidays. Or, also known as, Christmas to Savor. Lifetime. I almost said Hallmark. Sorry about that. Lifetime, I really need you to get it together. If you're going to continue to buy movies from previous years to put on your channel to beef up your Christmas roster, can you just stick to the name that it came with? Why do we keep doing this? Literally, the promo photo says Christmas to Savor. So why <laughs> why did you rename it Serving Up the Holidays? I don't even know. Anyway, this was their best Thursday bought for their channel movie. And that's about where I'm going to leave that. It says Scarlett is a chef and co-owner of a restaurant. This year, her best friend buys her a ticket to a holiday cooking getaway where Scarlett will relearn festive cooking and maybe find love in a handsome rival chef from her past. It starred Britt Irving and Zach Rorig. This felt like it should be a Jen Lilly movie. Uh, and I say that because Jen Lilly's movie on GAC Family was this weekend. Um, Scarlett is a cordon bleu trained chef. Come from a family of chefs. She always knew she wanted to be a chef. And she was top of her class at cordon bleu. I mean, do you get where I'm going with this? I mean, she just knows all. But her restaurant is starting to go downhill, had a bad review, and her investor comes to have dinner and he says, look, if we have another Christmas like this, I think I'm going to have to pull out. So her friend and co-owner says, okay, you need to go on this cooking retreat, you know, figure out some fun new dishes, whatever, and just get your mojo back because you haven't really done much since you got this bad review. So she, at the same time, runs into Zach's character. And I say that because they don't have his name from the movie here. And I did not write it down. <laughs> because you know what? How? How do you not have this man titled 
Yeah, no, I don't have his name written down. Uh, <laughs> I just went to my notes, and the only thing I have on my notes here is my blooper line. Um, line. That's the only thing for several of these. Uh, we're back to the basically no notes gang here. Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty much winging it this week. I am tired. Um... Yeah, so she runs into Zach's character, and it turns out that he's running the cooking class that she goes to, and he tries to help her really more so discover the joy of Christmas, because seeing as how her parents were both chefs, she's like, you know, we just really didn't do Christmas because we were always at the restaurant, and so I don't have a lot of Christmas memories, and she meets some other people along the way that are also doing the class, and... And in the end, she ends up crushing it again. Um, and, you know, the investor's staying on. And he, I think, <laughs> you guys literally come here for me to review the movies. And then I'm like, I don't even know how this movie ended. <laughs> oh, I mean, that should tell you, though, about this movie. Um, I think he becomes the head chef for the critic that was reviewing her restaurant because he he calls her at one point and says, hey, so I'm actually opening up my own restaurant and I know, like, your restaurant may be closing and I can't think of anyone else I would want but you, even though he gave her a really bad review previous to that. Uh, and she's like, no, you know, Scarlett's is my dream and so I want to keep it. But she kind of, like, pushes Zach's character into it. And at first he's like, I, I don't want to do that. I told you that I don't want to run my own business. But then I think I think he comes around in the end. I could have gone back and rechecked it. I didn't delete it from the Friendly TV app, but um, I didn't really want to. So, <laughs> yeah, this one in the end was not a watch. But I say that because I watch over 100 Christmas movies a year. And so for me, this one was nothing special. I don't, I don't actually even remember what I gave it. <laughs> I don't, am I having short-term memory loss? I don't know. Let's see what I gave it in my rankings here. My first, I gave it a two. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It's a two. Like, it's not absolutely terrible. It's just also still not memorable for me, personally. Moving on, we go to Friday. Christmas in the Wild, Up TV movies are back. You know, last year, Up TV did the same thing that they did this year, which is where the whole week of Thanksgiving, they did a Gilmore Girls watch-a-thon. I don't know. They call it something special. Gil what do they call it? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so they don't put on any movies. They just do all of Gilmore Girls. And according to one of my followers, they told me that they don't show them in order, which doesn't even make any sense. But and why would you do that? I mean, that's just evil. Anyway, um, and then they came back and they just, they had terrible movies. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And this one starred Caitlin Lieb and Victor Zink Jr. It came out last year. Let me double check. Yeah, it came out last year and it was a sequel. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how this 
got a second movie in the first place. And Victor Zink Jr. deserved better. Caitlin Leave, I'm not really sure about because the only other thing that I know of that I've seen her in was the the Christmas Prince <laughs> Buff TV movie. Um, whatever it was called. And that was so bad last year. Oh my god. Justice for the plastic hangers that they had for the christening. Okay. So um I was I was hoping for good things because I love Victor Sink Jr. and I just feel like he's not ever used enough. No. No, this movie was bad. It was painful. It was so painful that my blooper line I haven't released the bloopers yet, but uh as an Ohio State fan, watching them lose to our biggest rival Michigan last week at home was less painful than watching this movie. It it was so painful. And and it was offensive. Okay. Anyway. Says Buck and Jessica's Merry Little Christmas together takes a dangerous turn when their journey through the wild turns into a battle for survival. Okay. So, but someone else wrote this very in-depth review and I'm going to read it. And then if I feel like I have to add anything, then I'll add it. Otherwise, we're just going to go with that. It's been a couple of months since Buck Thompson with rescue services for Wayne Forrest and ge- geologist Jessica Alloway, A-L-A-W-A-Y, like always, only with an extra A, met and fell in love while they escaped a raging forest fire together. Although Buck's work never allows him truly to plan, the two are hoping to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas together, their first, both with Buck's family, who all work in the Wayne Forest Ranger Service, and alone, just the two of them, before they all reconvene on Christmas Day when Buck's now-deceased father, Walt, will be formally memorialized for his service to the community. Jessica is nervous, if only because she isn't sure where she fits within the family, and she's... And she's trying to come to grips with their very strong holiday family traditions, which matriarch Janine has fostered even more since Walt's death and within their life of service in Wayne Forest. Their Thanksgiving is interrupted when Buck is called away to Avalon County to assist with an avalanche rescue. What was anticipated to be a short emergency gets extended first by days, then weeks, when Buck agrees on the urging of his old friend Meg Rogers with Avalon Search and Rescue to stay and assist their proactive maintenance on what Meg anticipates will be a difficult avalanche season. But Buck and Jessica are determined to spend some alone time before Christmas before the memorial, something that is made all the more difficult due to the natural circumstances of winter and by something that Jessica eventually discovers through osmosis, namely that Meg was once more to Buck than just a friend and work colleague. Meanwhile, Janine has to deal with the situation in her role on the Wayne Forest detail in discovering Christmas tree poachers, and Buck's single sister Roma, a cat person who is reluctant Reluctantly looking after Jessica's faithful dog, Charlie, can't help but think about a lost past at this special time of year and having it and having told no one of that past. You know, that was pretty good. That was pretty succinct for me. Uh, what do I want to add to this? So the thing that's not talked about here is that Buck is prior military. And he is still dealing with the after effects with having PTSD flashbacks. This is something that is so incredibly important and weighs so heavily on my mind now because, as I have discussed before, I lost a very close cousin, more like a brother to me, because of veteran-related PTSD suicide. So... 
I think this is incredibly important to talk about. Now, I mean, now would he have ever watched this movie? No, my God. I wish. I have so many regrets um, with his passing of things that I'll never get to do and I'll never get to share and things that I wish I had said. But um, I wish more than anything that he were here so that we could do this podcast together because his commentary would... <laughs> Well, the explicit filter would definitely be on. <laughs> oh, man, the things he would have to say about these movies. Uh, this one in particular, though. So as important as it is that we talk about veteran PTSD, this movie was so highly offensive in the fact that it kept showing him having war flashbacks from a wolf howl. I don't even know. I, I don't I don't know how that got past the writing room and they thought that that was okay. A wolf howl in a snowy forest. Not exactly the same as IEDs exploding around you. You know what I mean? I mean, you probably don't and I definitely don't because I did not experience that. But I just have this feeling that an IED explosion is so on and so forth the sand, the desert, the heat, all of that doesn't really get triggered from a wolf howl it, during avalanche season in the mountains, you know? So I just found that very offensive. And I don't want to, like, I, I'm not taking that out on Buck or, and no, I'm sorry, not Buck. I'm not taking that out on Victor or anyone else associated with the movie from the actor's standpoint. But in the writing room and the production rooms and then the network rooms with this, I definitely want to say that was offensive. Um, I just, I don't know what, I don't know what you were thinking with that. And also, there's no way that people would survive that many bad things and still live. So first he's gone. So he leaves on Thanksgiving Day because he gets this call that he needs, they need help rescuing avalanche survivors. So he does that. And then he goes to leave and they're like, oh, no, we could really use your help blasting away snow, whatever, so there aren't more avalanches. So he stays. And first it's like, you know, a couple of days and then it's a week and all of this. And then suddenly he's there and it's Christmas Eve. And he can't leave now because now there's a snowstorm coming in, obviously, and the roads are closed off. And so Meg who has a thing for him is like, oh, I'll help you. Uh, you know, let's take the uh, snowmobiles and do this because Jessica calls him and says, okay, I'm going to come get you. My truck has four wheel drive. It's a Jeep, by the way. Nothing is more annoying than than Jeep drivers saying that they have a truck. You don't. You have a Jeep. Okay. Uh, and she was like, well, my truck has four wheel drive, blah, blah, blah. So, but obviously, She's in a Jeep and that gets stuck in the snow because, yeah. And she gets some, um, a dog sled, of course. And through this, not having been in these mountains before and only with his late father's trusty compass that Roma had given her uh, when she was leaving, ends up finding the two of them after 
one of the snowmobiles goes down because he doesn't see a branch and then goes over and it won't work anymore. And so, and then he has another, he has a flashback because of some wolf howls and they're sitting by this fire and Meg's trying to lay it on thick and she comes up and she's like, oh, hey, what's going on? All right, I got to go. He's like, no, 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 Jessica, come here, come here, come here. Anyway, so they get on the one snowmobile. Meg ends up taking the dog sled back with the dogs and then that snowmobile runs out of gas. So then they're walking and they have to cross this river and then they find this one place to cross the river. Obviously, he goes down in the water, but he ends up getting tossed out like at this one point. And then he's like trying to strip off clothes to get to this cabin, you know, when it's below zero, freezing outside. And somehow he doesn't get hypothermia from it. And then they're in the cabin and they end up getting rescued by a helicopter. And it was just, it was, it was so many things that I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, that's something else that like, obviously that would also go wrong. And he proposes after three months. And he's like, you know, when you know, you know. And yeah, in the comments, people are like, I really want a sequel. Or I really want a third, like, so we can find Roma's husband. No. Roma apparently was married to a military man in a secret ceremony, uh, and then he went missing. No, thank you. Mm, no. I just feel like that would be even more offensive, so I'm going to put the kibosh on that. And I've already talked way longer than I would want to about this movie, but uh, this was negative 10 would not recommend and yet yeah, don't ever insinuate that veteran PTSD is triggered by a wolf howl again. Like if you were attacked by wolves, yeah, a wolf howl would trigger PTSD. But if you were in an active military war zone, a wolf howl is not going to trigger it. That's all I'm going to say. Moving on to a better movie now, finally. A Big Fat Family Christmas was Hallmark's Friday night movie. I did not pull it up on the app. I pulled it up on IMDb. Oh, I just got so used to having to go to IMDb for everything. Okay. Anyway, it reads, Liv is a photojournalist eager to make it on her own to get a dream assignment shooting the Chang family's annual holiday party for a cover story. She doesn't reveal that they are, in fact, her family. Stars Shannon Chan Kent as Liv, Shannon Cook as Henry, Jack Wagner as their boss, Charles, and Tia Carrera as Ivy, her mom. I did not know that name beforehand. She is the voice of Nani from Lilo and Stitch. So, like, automatic cool points awarded. Um, I, okay. So, not knowing anything going on here, I thought this was another My Southern Family Christmas, but mixed with a little bit Christmas at the Golden Dragon, where... She knew that she was related, but nobody else did. No, 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 no. That is not the case here. So Liv grew up with these great parents and a brother, younger brother, and they throw a Chang-tastic Christmas party for the whole neighborhood in San Francisco, in their San Francisco neighborhood, I should say. Every year they raise thousands of dollars and then they donate it to the neighborhood. Like they go around throughout the neighborhood and collect these red envelopes, which is a Chinese tradition. Uh, well, it's the Chinese symbolism, the red envelopes. And when they deliver the envelopes with the party invitation, then they go back and they collect all of them and they have money. They hang it on this tree and then they count everything. And then they pick one of the people that had donated money to, um, to award the money to the neighborhood. And 
like Liv grew up with it. She used to do things all the time about it and then just really backed off, didn't want anything to do with it. And this year, while working for the San Francisco Tribune as a photojournalist there, she meets Henry, who's just come over from the Bangkok office, and he gets assigned this cover story for the Changtastic Christmas Party from their boss, Charles, played by Jack Wagner. And he puts her also on the cover story for the photos. She does not tell Henry or Charles at first that she is related to the Chang. So they're like, oh, your last name's also Chang. And like, you you are from around this area. That's Charles. And he's like, well, you know, I just thought you'd be great because you take these great photos anyway. And, you know, you're from around that same neighborhood. So you must know about it. And like, are you sure? Because your last name is Chang and everything. Henry figures it out from go, basically. Like, he takes no time figuring it out. And she does tell him pretty much about 30 minutes in after, like, one day hanging out together. She's like, look, I should have told you earlier. I just don't want people to think that I got special treatment because of my last name for this. And also, you know, I'm not really associated with the party. I don't do that much. But she really does. Like, she makes these fortune cookies every year. And she does the photos every year. And there's something else that she does, too. I forget the other thing. And then, like, she used to sing. So you can tell she did care about it. For an hour and 40 minutes of this movie, Liv just spends all of this time trying to deny anything good about this party. I mean, she takes Henry to meet the neighborhood, like, to meet the local organizations that have benefited from the party. And she's like, yeah, you know, they raise all of this money and it goes to the neighborhood. And, you know, this year or last year we were able to donate musical instruments and blah, blah, blah. And the whole time you're like, how are you going to sit there and be like, oh, this is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. I don't want anyone to know I'm related. Your family does an amazingly good thing for the community. And it, it, get, it really takes you to this point where you just really dislike her character. You're just like, God, that's annoying. And I don't see it. I don't get it. And to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of this movie. But then after they Henry and Liv accidentally lose all of the money, the envelope bag goes missing uh, when they're actually having a good time on a cable car and they go searching everywhere for it. She has to go tell her parents who normally retrieve the money that she has to tell them that she lost it. And they're like, how could you do this? We trusted you. And her father's like, I knew we shouldn't have let her do this. And her mother says, I was just trying to get her to feel more connected to the party again. And on the one hand, Liv says, look, I don't want to do this. Why do you force me into doing this? I get that. Like, I can understand her frustration there. But then she says, I'm embarrassed. This is embarrassment. And I don't want you guys to be opened up for ridicule. And they're like, oh, so you're embarrassed by us. And she's like, no. And they're like, no, that's exactly what you said. And her mother says, look, I will say that I lost the money. You can go. And better yet, don't bother coming to the party. 
And Liv is very hurt by this. And I was kind of like, good, you should be because that was embarrassing. You want to talk about embarrassing? That was embarrassing. You hurt your family. You made a total fool out of yourself. And for why? But then she tells her brother and Henry, look, the last year that I sang for the party, I, it, there was something special that she got and she wanted her friends from school to see it. So she invited a couple of them and she always sang Silent Night in Chinese. And while there, the people that she invited, the school friends she invited, they took videos of her and then were making fun of her. And so throughout, throughout the rest of middle school, she was just made fun of for singing in Cantonese and for the party in general. And so that's why she was pulling away from it. That, I I think it may have slightly crossed my mind that something like that happened. But because throughout the whole movie, really nothing is given away about that. I was like, I wish this had been brought up about 30 minutes ago, like maybe an hour into the movie. But by an hour and 45 minutes in, after you make a fool out of yourself and you're so stubborn this whole time, to do it now, it just feels too late in the game for it. But then she makes this plea on her social media platform, which she has a big social media platform. And she says, my family needs your help. And I want to be honest with you. My full name is this. She raises more money than they normally collect, like all of her followers, not all, but like so many of her followers had contributed and sent money. So she shows up to the party and she said, and she, you know, she has to tell her boss at one point and he's not very happy about it. Um, but she shows up to the party and right when her mother goes to say that she lost the money, she says, she walks up, she goes, I lost the money. I'm so sorry. I should have been more careful about this, but I reached out to my followers, you know, we raised this much money and, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for everything that I've said and everything that I've done, but I, you know, I, I really do appreciate this. And then someone walks up from the crowd and she's like, hi, you, I found your bag. Like, but by the time, like my friends and I, we saw the bag drop, but by the time we tried to get to you, you were already gone and I didn't know how to get it back to you until I saw it because of Instagram. So they have double the money and then she sings Silent Night in Cantonese again and it pulled together so well at the end that I was like, you just rescued this like two and a half, three movie to a four. Like you really rescued it because I was not a fan of it. The chemistry wasn't totally there for me between Liv and Henry. Obviously, you know, they end up together as well. Um, that felt a little forced. That's why it didn't go to a four and a half. But overall, I did enjoy this movie and I do recommend watching it. I just wish that in the writing room, they had thought to put why she was so against the party earlier in or give little notions to it because it just was left a little too late in my opinion. Moving on to the 8 p.m. 
Lifetime movie, A New Orleans Noel, starring Patti LaBelle, Keisha Knight-Pulliam, Brad James, and Tim Reed, a.k.a. the dad from Sister Sister. That's however, that is forever how I will know him. This beat the Hallmark movie on Friday night in the 8 p.m. slot. A Big Fat Feeling Christmas was good. A New Orleans Noel was better. It reads, follows, okay, Lifetime, can you play, can you? Can you please stop in every single one of your synopsis, synopsis, synopsi, whatever, just opening up with follows? Why? Every single synopsis starts with the word follows. Okay, anyway. Follows Grace and Anthony, who despite having gone to college to study architecture together, are two different. But things between them change after both are hired to work on the same place and end up celebrating Christmas together. You know, I'm going to look it up on the app because that's on IMDb. Maybe maybe IMDb comes up with their own versions of the um, synopsis here. Okay, well, this isn't much better. Despite having gone to college to study architecture together, Grace and Anthony's lives took them on separate paths, but they're both hired to work on the home of Loretta Brown at Christmas. Well, that's better, but I definitely remember how the synopsis was when they were detailing all of the movies coming out, and it ended up being different, or I misread it. I I either misread it or the way it was described is why I misread it. Because I thought Loretta, played by Patti LaBelle, was alone at Christmas. No, no, no. It's Keisha Knight-Pulliam's character, Grace, that ends up getting um, pulled into the Brown family. And then Anthony, um, like, because they go to school together. Anyway, so Grace and Anthony had gone to college together for architecture school. One, why are there so many architecture movies this year? And... This is the third New Orleans movie, but this is my top New Orleans movie. My, or I should say my top Louisiana movie because my Southern Family Christmas was just Louisiana. It wasn't New Orleans. Um, so they went to architecture school together. They were competitors. They kind of had a thing, but right at the end of school when they maybe would have started something, her parents unfortunately died. And so she just kind of left and then went off to do her own thing because as she tells her friend I didn't want to drag him into all of my family things and I can understand that I can understand coming out of college where you haven't been in a relationship with this person in the first place and then you go through something as hard and difficult as losing your parents and then being like you know I don't want to drag that person into all of that because you already weren't together, so it's not like you had really formed a connection. I understand that. So anyway, now, all of these years later, she gets this job in New Orleans, shows up, so excited to meet Miss Loretta Brown, who owns the iconic, most sought-out praline, not a praline, shop in New Orleans. And when she shows up, or like, they're they're walking to get coffee first, she's like, oh, don't, mm, mm. Oh, that was, you know, let's head over here. And friend's like, wasn't that Anthony that you went to school with? She's like, oh, it was. Don't know why he's here. And her friend says, oh, I'm sure you won't run into him again. And she says famous last words, of course. She shows up to the house. He's there. 
And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, this is my grandmother's house. And she's like, your grandmother's house? Mm, what? And he's like, well, you can't be here to do the architecture design because I'm here to do the architecture design. Loretta walks out and she's like, what are you guys doing? We were supposed to have our meeting start exactly one minute ago. Get inside. So she's like, look, I want both of you to work on it. Come up with something together. And it turns out that Loretta found out because of his brother. It was his brother um, that he had a thing for Grace. And so that Loretta was like... <laughs> playing a little matchmaker in there. And so the two end up spending a lot of time together because what he wants to do and what Grace and ultimately Loretta wants to do could two completely different things. And so while they're hanging out, she gets to really spend a lot of time with his family. And she's like, you know, I just haven't done any of this since my parents died. And I don't really know how to do it. And so she's very scared about wanting to belong to a family because you know she doesn't have that anymore at one point i i must have missed it because i was busy doing shop orders while i was watching this movie uh on monday morning and i must have missed it but at one point she must have said or he must have asked her like well what's the one thing you want to do at christmas and she says make snow angels while they're in new orleans this man calls her up or texts her and is like hey what are you doing can you come over she goes over. He found fake snow from a Mardi Gras float the previous year. He's like, well, I pulled some connections. This was on a Mardi Gras float last year. Had covered his backyard in this fake snow so that they could do snow angels. And she says, you did all of this for me? And he says, well, you said you wanted to make snow angels. This is the least I could do. <laughs> I want to go play in traffic. Like, I want to just go lay in the middle of the road tonight. Like, God, that is the sweetest. Like, that is the sweetest. And I know, I know skeptics would be like, that would never happen in real life. But it's like, bro, if he is not putting in that kind of effort for you, he is not the one. I, I don't really know what else you would do in that situation for like normal everyday not movie people. But there's got to be something you could do to make snow angels happen. Maybe get a whole bunch of white plastic balls from a ball pit. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god. I was like that's the sweetest thing. So in the end like right when they're connecting and she's like I want to stay here because he's like you are part of this family now. Like don't think you're getting out of it. And, you know, we we want you in our family. And Loretta makes her this scarf. And she's like, well, I make it for all the family members. And she's like, oh, but I don't. And she's about to say, well, I'm not a member of the family. But then she's like, I didn't get you anything. And Loretta's like, you have given me so much. And you've given this family so much. And you've really helped Anthony at the same time. She overhears Anthony say, like, well, family comes first. More than a relationship. More than this. Because his brother's wife has just returned from uh, a military deployment and like so grace is like well you know the plans are done and i got this other job in toronto so i'm gonna go like the blueprints are done and you can you're free to do that because you know it's your family legacy and so on and so forth loretta shows up and she's like what are you doing she's like what are you doing Go get her. And this whole time he's been trying to make the pralines uh, 
because it's a, a secret family recipe. Finally, we get a secret family recipe where the person's not dead. So we can actually get what the secret family recipe ingredient is. And it's salt. And she says, it. you have to have balance. Pralines are all about the sweetness. That's why you have to balance it out with some salt. So he finally makes the perfect pralines and he shows up with his whole family in a streetcar and he shows up outside of where she's at her friend's house and he's like you belong here you belong part of this family like i'm here it was so cute this movie definitely wins my new orleans movie draw between the three with my louisiana i'm sorry so it goes this movie in new orleans yeah new orleans noel my Southern Family Christmas, and then All Saints Christmas, which was a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. <laughs> God, it's already a month ago on Hallmark Channel. <laughs> so, well, I finally did it, everyone. I just realized New Orleans Noel was the 8 p.m. Lifetime movie on Saturday night, not Friday night. <laughs> but, you know, we're just going to go with it. It's going to be back-to-back Lifetime reviews because normally I try and go in order, but... Uh, yeah, anyway, the Friday night Lifetime movie was Cloudy with a Chance of Christmas, starring Brandon Quinn and Valerie Ortiz. I do just want to say, though, that A New Orleans Noel still won the 8 p.m. slot just on Saturday. (laughs) So Hallmark won the Friday spot. Um, I was like, oh, you know what? I actually have to change this. Hallmark won the Friday slot because it was cloudy with a chance of Christmas on Lifetime. But Saturday, Lifetime won with the New Orleans Noel over A Fabled Holiday and Candy Cane Lane on JAC Family. So, okay. Now that that confusing part's out of the way, the actual Friday night Lifetime movie. Um, This reads... When a weather forecaster is asked to host her network's annual snowcast in the wintry town of Leavenworth, live with the network's morning show host and a longtime rival of hers, tension, brews, and romantic sparks fly between them on air. It says, written by the Ninth House. I don't know who, I, I don't know what that is. It says, Bridget Torres is a prominent national news weather forecaster who comes home to the magical wintry town of, oh, well, she doesn't come home to because it's not her home. Anyway, um... Town of Leavenworth, Washington, where Christmas traditions prevail each holiday season. This year, Bridget has been asked by her network to announce a special snowcast at their annual Christmas Eve festival and has brought her boss, Lisa, along with her. Bridget's plans to shine are foiled when a talk show host from her network arrives to join her for her broadcast. Drake Kincaid, as it turns out, refused to hire Bridget as his co-host for their morning show a year earlier, making tensions high. The unlikely duo soon find themselves falling for each other, but when Bridget finally discovers why Drake didn't hire her, the romance is put to the test. Now, you read that, you know it's on Lifetime, you're like, ooh, this sounds like it's going to be really good. The title, A++. I can't say that enough. I've said it about 17 times now. A++, that's one of the best Christmas titles I think I'll ever hear in my whole entire life. Um, The idea behind it great like the synopsis left i really like brandon quinn i've never seen valerie ortiz before but again you're like lifetime yes this is going to be good because what do i come to lifetime movies for i come for an okay plot and some really good kissing scenes you know what i mean that's what i come to lifetime for the good news is this movie was a redemption movie for Brandon Quinn because he was in the country Christmas harmony. I think it was a couple of weeks ago with Brooke Elliott. 
his co-star on Sweet Magnolias. No chemistry there. I don't know what they did to it. I don't know what happened. Uh, so he had more chemistry uh, with Valerie here, but it still wasn't what I wanted it to be. It's like Lifetime is right there in so many of these movies, and they're just, I don't know, like afraid to go all in with what we come to this network for. Maybe this is why I didn't get a PR package from Lifetime. Look, really, please take this as constructive criticism because you you were you were so close okay drake was so close like i i wish they had either played up a little more of his nerdy shy quiet side and then played up more of bridget thinking that it's kind of an enemies to lovers instead we just got like this halfway point and I was just left wanting more. So Bridget, great for weather forecaster. Everyone loves her. And she gets invited to Leavenworth, which is a real town. And apparently it goes all out for Christmas in real life. And so, and that's where it was shot. Um, One of my TikTok commenters, followers was like, I, at least it should be beautiful. And then he was like, I'm going there next week. I can't wait to see it all lit up. Like, I would love to do that. Someone like that's let's do that. Can I work, you know, up TV does like small town Christmas and there's some woman that goes around to different small towns. Can I take that over next year? Uh, please. Can I just go try out a whole bunch of different Christmas places? Please send me to North Pole, Alaska. You know what I'm saying? S take me to Leavenworth. Send me any, I don't care to take me. Good. Let's go to Sweden. Let's go to the, anyway, not the point. So she gets invited and she's like, this is, could be my big break. She takes her boss, her boss's husband along with her. And when they get there, she finds out that Drake, the morning co-host, or well, the morning host, is, it's his family's place. Her boss Lisa knew this. <laughs> and her boss Lisa also knew that Drake and his co-host, Tatum, were, are going to be there. And Bridget's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, you know, I had a feeling, but I wasn't 100% sure, so I didn't know. She immediately runs into Drake, and it comes to be that Drake had been the one to invite Bridget along and was like, hey, she should do this. So um, they hang out, and, like, and before they both end up in Leavenworth, Bridget runs into Drake and you can tell, like, he's kind of shy, like, awkward, nervous about it. And you're like, oh, he has a crush on her. And what we come to find out is that when it was put up that he was picking a new co-host, he wanted to pick Bridget. Or, like, Bridget was there. The network wanted Bridget. She knew this. She also knew that he was the one to put the kibosh on it. And he did that because he had a crush on her and he didn't want to make things weird. Kind of like what's actually happening right now on ABC, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. The, I find these things out via TikTok because I don't watch the news anymore. Um, so because of that, he's like, no, I don't want her. And he picks Tatum. Tatum also has a crush on him. And she's just does not get it, you know. And... At the same time, he was like, they also needed someone to pick up the night because it was failing. And I just knew you would be great at that. So 
once she finds this out, she's going, oh, okay. And they hang out a lot and everyone sees their chemistry. Tatum finally confronts him about it after his brother kind of says it first to her. And she's like, so was I a consolation? And he's like, no, you're Tatum. Like, you are great. It's not that. It's just, you know, I like her and everything. I wish Tatum had ended up with his brother. Like, <laughs> Tatum should have ended up with his brother and there should have just been a little bit more between the two of them. In the end, Bridget finds out from Lisa that she gets her own, um, like, she gets her own pick, her own show. She gets to pick her own co-host. And Drake is there and he's like, I'm so happy for you. And they kiss a couple of times. This movie was cute. Again, the title... The title was a five, the synopsis was a five, but then the chemistry and the overall storyline, it was a four. It was still good. It just, uh, I just want a little bit more. Give me more Lifetime. I want more. Okay, now all of those blunders aside, moving to the Saturday lineup, Christmas on the Slopes, Up TV. <laughs> Honestly, immediately jail. Just when I thought that it couldn't actually get worse than Christmas in the Wild, UpTV said, hold my eggnog. Here's our Saturday movie. It starred Soma Chaya and Olivia Renaud. It reads, a chef goes on vacation trying to get away from a series of disappointments both in per... What? That's not even the right plot. Oh my god. Lord, give me strength. Okay. This isn't even the right plot. Because she's the one that goes away on... To vacate. Okay, anyway. So, both in her personal and professional life. But, then... She gets into a clash with the resort's grumpy shop. That's what it should be. I just, I had to fix that. How that has a 6.3 out of 10 with 30 reviews. No. I, the only thing that would make it easier to understand for how bad it was is if it was written by Adam Rockoff last year. Oh my God. I'm... Don't ever want to watch another movie written by Adam Rockoff. This one was written by Paula Tiberius. <clears throat> so I would formally like to say that I never want to watch another movie written by Paula Tiberius either. Sophia is a chef. She went on a like cooking show, won it, became famous because of that. Well, you know somewhat famous because of that. And now she has opened up a series of restaurants when her business partner, the backer behind it, who she is also dating, ends up dumping her when she proposes to him on the opening night of their third restaurant. And then he tells her, hey, look, I'm actually going to have to pull my money because opening night wasn't great. And if opening night isn't great, then the whole thing's going to tank. Which, I don't know, that could be true. But also, like, that's, like, dramatic. <laughs> opening night was terrible, so your whole restaurant will be a failure forever. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I actually do have a chef friend, Maximilian Petty. So if you're ever in the Seattle, Washington area, well, just in the the peninsula, peninsula northwest, the PNW there, um, he has three restaurants now. They're not all in Seattle, though. Well, he has one in Walla Walla. Anyway, hi, Max. Um, my claim to fame because of Max is that he once, at least more than once, made food for Lana Condor, a.k.a. Lara Jean Covey, to all the boys. Yeah, I know. I know. I was like, Max, what are you, what are you saying right now? Uh, because she mentioned it in an Instagram story. And the moment she mentioned it in an Instagram story, I texted him and I was like, excuse me? Anyway, we used to work together. Uh, <laughs> if you're like, how do you know? How do you know a chef? randomly out in Washington. Uh, we used to work together. Crazy story times. Um, anyway, so she decides to get away from it all and ends up at this resort where Olivier's character Ansel is the head chef. He's a terrible, stuck up, fussy head chef, and he has just fired his sous chef. So when she is kind of lurking about the kitchen, he sees her and he's like, oh, you're the new sous chef. And she tries telling him a couple times, like, no, I'm not. And he, he just, he won't listen to her. And so she ends up just kind of going along with it because he gets this client for a party of some kind, proposal, wedding. I don't, I don't even know. I was, I, I truly couldn't even pay that close attention because it was so bad. And, uh, she ends up kind of staying on. That woman knows who she is. And like the whole staff, knows who she is, except Ansel. And I think it's Ansel, not Ansel. Like, I want to say Ansel. But anyway, um, he ends up finding out because he's, like, crouched down trying to get something. And then he hears her talking to the woman. And he kind of takes it the wrong way. And he's like, oh, you just thought this was so funny to me. Like, on me, like, doing that. She's like, no, I really was just trying to help you at this point. Like, after you didn't know who I was, and I was just trying to help out. Um, and then in the end, he ends up proposing to her in a hot air balloon. As incroyable, incroyable. No, this was terrible. Ce film est très mauvais. I don't ever want to... I don't ever want to watch this movie again. I don't want to see it. My eyeballs don't ever want to see this again. Mais you were hurting by the end of this. And because, like, the whole time, and Olivier is from Quebec. And that is, like, they do have a lot of French, like, you have the French-Canadian portion in Quebec. So I'm sure... His accent was probably, I, I don't know what that this is probably how he speaks when he's not speaking in French. I don't know. But like, that is how terrible it was the whole time. And he sounded so forced. Like, I can't even do it. I, I, can't, I can't even do it properly. But like, I wish he had just had a bad British accent. Like, here I am always complaining that they always have terrible British accents. Like, you can make it any country you want. Um, no, here he was. It was terrible. It was god-awful. It was, it was incroyable. It, it, terrible. Terrible. Très mauvais. So bad. Just 
awful. I, I, I'm trying to think if I know any other French words for how bad it was. Uh, it was a train wreck. Um, yeah. D do not watch. Do not waste your two hours. A fabled holiday that was a Hallmark Saturday night movie. And like I said, <laughs> we're not going to rediscuss a New Orleans Noel. Um, the, a New Orleans Noel beat a fabled holiday. Now, that said... This movie was good. It starred Brooke Dorsey and Ryan Pavey. We're going to talk about it. Also, I just, uh, this is sort of an offhanded comment here. An observation, if you will. Um, has anyone noticed the amount of movies this year with the word holiday in the title instead of Christmas? Anyway. I just, like... I went to say something about this and I was like, oh, it's a fabled holiday. And like, there was another one that was there. Like, last year, every movie had Christmas in the title, except I think literally Gingerbread Miracle. And that really threw me because I wanted to say like a gingerbread Christmas or something. I was like, no, Christmas isn't in this title. But this year, there's quite a few movies with holiday. Um, and anyway, it says... Uh, Talia and her childhood best friend Anderson unexpectedly reunite in a curiously familiar looking town full of Christmas spirit that restores its visitors when they need it most. So growing up, Talia and Anderson lived next door to each other. They were very good friends. And one Christmas, her father reads her this story, A Wonderbrook Christmas or something like that. It, it's in the town of Wonderbrook, though. And... Then Anderson comes over and she reads the book to him while they're hanging out. Shortly thereafter, a couple months later, her father passes away and she and her mom move away and she and Anderson kept in touch for a while and then lost touch. Decades later, they re-meet when they both are living in Seattle. He is a doctor. <laughs> the way I tell you that I have been so conditioned, I stopped watching Grey's. I know I've talked about this before. I stopped watching Grey's when they killed Derek off. Literally that episode, the episode before we found out, like the whole car crash thing with Derek, I said, I'll never forget this. I was standing right in front of the TV because I had had it recorded. So I was watching it later that night. And when the red and blue flashing lights were pulling up to Meredith's house, I was like, I swear to God, Shonda, if you kill Derek, I will never watch this show again. So I didn't watch the next episode. I went on Twitter to see what people were saying. And when I found out that Derek was killed off, I was like, that's it. I will never watch this show again. Anyway, so whatever point that was, 2014, haven't watched it. Okay, that's a little bit of a lie. I did watch when Derek came back, what, in 2020. No, in 2020, 2021, whatever that season was, uh, with the whole beach thing when she had COVID. So I guess I'd be last year. Was that only last year? God. Anyway, this is not the point. The point is, all of the years that I watched Grey's Anatomy, I got so conditioned to Seattle Grace that he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a doctor at Seattle. I just expected him to say Seattle Grace. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, that's not a real hospital. <laughs> Not only is that not a real hospital, that's literally not even the name of the hospital anymore because after everyone died, they renamed it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, though, like, that was that was my last straw. Derek was the last straw. I'm like, I sat through George. I sat through the Izzy's brain tumor. I sat through Denny. 
I sat through Christina leaving, sat through all of this. I refuse. I watched Mandy Moore die on that show. I watched Lexi and Mark. No, I won't do it anymore. I was like, if Derek goes, I go. And so I so I went. And uh, you know what? Now Meredith is also leaving. How are you going to have a show called Grey's Anatomy when there's no Grey's left? You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I mean, I think it's time that the show goes. Um, although Scott Speedman's in that show now. This is going off the tracks. Um, ben from Felicity. I love Scott It almost pulled me back in because of him. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know Scott Speedman was on here. I think, doesn't he play her love interest? I don't know. Like, oh, I could be into that. I could, but we saw what happened to the last guy. Now, I can't, I keep up with it somewhat because of Twitter. I'll hear things going on. I still have friends that watch it. Anyway, anyway. Um, so he's a doctor now <laughs> in Seattle. And uh, she runs a bookstore. She always wanted to be an author, but that's not exactly panning out. She keeps submitting scripts and they're not being taken up. And so she runs a bookstore when they see each other. And then they both end up getting these calls about taking these vacations, like having rooms booked and everything. And they end up in Wonderbrook. They don't realize, like, the town doesn't, like, they don't know the town's name or anything. And they all, they end up at this one house with these other visitors that have randomly also appeared, shown up. And the inn's owners, the married couple and their daughter, and then this older woman who's like a crotchety old lady, they are like, oh, we only have one week to change these people's fates. And it was very storybook once upon a time. You want to talk about a show that was really great, then went off the rails in the end, and I also stopped watching once upon a time. That, oh man, the first season was so good. I mean, the first few seasons were really good anyway. Um... So halfway through, Talia's kind of like, this just seems so familiar. And then she starts asking around and the other people that are there have also read Wonderbrook. And she's like, I, you know, that's so weird that we've all read this book and now we're all here. And she really truly thinks that it's not it because it is. No one else really believes her. There's this married couple there that they're going through some marriage struggles. I don't know what it is with all of these movies and marriage struggles. I don't want to see it, okay? <laughs> I can't talk about it, but I don't want to see it, okay? Like I'm I'm stressed enough as it is in my real life. I don't need to see it on TV. So um I don't know. I put I don't maybe this is a thing. Maybe there are so many movies with marriage problems this year because all the married couples that survived the pandemic life are now getting divorces. I don't know. So, um, anyway, they end up, like, reconnecting, leaving early. And then there's this older gentleman, and he's connecting with the older woman there, the crotchety old lady. And Talia and Anderson are growing closer together. And it's, like, they all have to change their fate. Like, they all have to figure out, like, why they're there. And when they do, this little bell chime thing sounds sort of you know like the aha moment and you know then they get it and they go off Anderson realizes it's so weird to me to say that and I was just telling my boss about this because my the youngest nanny kid that I have is named Anderson and I 
other than Anderson Cooper, just have not heard that name. So every time she said Anderson, I was just, I'm like, no, no, that's okay. No. Um, so Anderson realizes because of the older gentleman, he like has a heart attack scare and Anderson has to take care of him because Anderson was like getting ready to leave. And then he realizes like he really does want to continue being a doctor because that's why he was there was because he was questioning if he still wanted to be a doctor uh, after losing a patient as an attending. And then Talia gets to this point and, and they tell Anderson and he's like, wait, you guys are from the book? Like she's going to freak out. And they're like, no, you can't tell her. So then Talia it comes back because she and Anderson kind of fought a little bit and um, not overly dramatic. And she comes back and she's like, you know what? Like, I do want to be an author. Like, I've I've kept myself back. I've held myself back because I've been so afraid to fail that I, do, I don't put my all into it. And, like, I think that's why I'm here because I've just been stuck at a dead end and, like, that my father wasn't worried that I wouldn't achieve everything, but he was worried that I would just end up stuck. And that's when it comes to be. And then they tell her that it's Wonder Book. She's like, I knew it. And then um, she's like, well, you've been able to help so many people. And um, they're like, yeah, well, for now, but the book's gone out of print and not a lot of people read it anymore. Um, so, you know, there's less and less visitors every year. And so, you know, when no one knows about it anymore, we will cease to exist. But, you know, we don't need to worry about that right now. Um, so we go one year later, she has written the follow up to the Wonderbrook story. And it has the older gentleman because he ends up staying behind and he becomes a knight. And this man shows up to get a copy of the book and I was like, oh, my God, it's the narrator. And, and it, it is. And the narrator was the original writer of the book. And so he shows up and he's like, I, you know, I've served my purpose. And you know, then she finally hears the bells go off. Um, this movie was cute. Okay, I want to say this. This movie was a four and a half. Because I love Ryan Pavey. And I actually enjoyed Brooke in this movie. She can be a little grating at times. But I I enjoyed her character here. And it was very light on drama. So I also love that. Because I just want fluffy Christmas stories at this point. Um, But it was a little slow for me. Like We just... I kept finding myself spacing out in what was going on. Because it was just... It was a little slow. And so that is why A New Orleans Noel beat A Fabled Holiday at the 8 p.m. slot. They're both good. They're two completely different stories, which I also like because for a while we kept getting the same storyline going up against each other. Um, but it was just, it was the pacing for me on this one. Um, that it was cute. It just, I, I don't, and I don't really know how that they could have paced it better. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy this movie, though. Moving to Christmas on Candy Cane Lane. That was GAC Family's Saturday Night Movie starring Andrea Barber, Andrea Barber and Dan Payne. I, when I saw this, when I saw the picture of it and the synopsis, I was like, oh, it's all out the holly. Like, GAC family somehow 
found out haul out the holly and then made a replica of it and put it on a week later. I mean, would I put it past them? No. This movie is not exactly Haul Out the Holly. This is Haul Out the Holly, which was the Wes Brown, Lacey Spare, Melissa Peterman movie from last week, Thanksgiving, the Saturday after Thanksgiving movie, mixed with A Christmas Cookie Catastrophe, which was Rachel Boston and Victor Webster's Hallmark movie this year, the 6 p.m. slot last Sunday. Because it was, it, it instead of being on Evergreen Lane with all of the houses decorated except one, Lacey's house, uh, we're on Candy Cane Lane where Ivy's late mother lived and now she lives in that house and everyone fully decorates, but Ivy's so busy doing all these other things that she just can't keep up with trying to get the house decorated. And she's going through a separation right now with Dan Payne's character, Rob, and then they have this mystery because her next door neighbor, her front yard, keeps getting vandalized every night and they can't figure out what's going on. Um, what really floors me still... Oh, my God. JAC, help me help you. Help me help you. You. And by the way, the full title of this is Candace Cameron Bure presents Christmas on Candy Cane Lane. Candace. Okay. I'm going to take this moment to speak directly to Candace. Okay. This one's based off of a book. But I just have to ask, is your marriage okay? Are you guys okay? Because last weekend, Candace Cameron Bray presents a Christmas present. Y'all had marriage problems. In Candace Cameron Bray presents Christmas on Candy Cane Lane, they're separated. I don't know. Seems a little sus to me. Hope everything's okay. Maybe that one's just in a book and it's coincidence that two back-to-back movies that you have your name attached to have marriage problems. Something is going on. Here's my issue. You don't have half of the cast build. And do you want to know what half of the cast you don't have build? Yeah. Um... You, you don't you don't have any of the African American cast built here. It's Tuesday, eleven forty one p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There's no good reason that three members of your cast, the three members that happen to be black, are not listed here. Okay, anyway, it reads, Ivy Donaldson struggles with her mom's shadow Muriel, the Christmas darling of Icicle Falls. She is now separated from her husband, Rob, and tries her best with her daughter, but after a series of strange but comical events, everybody gets together in unexpected but festive ways. So, yeah, Ivy and Rob are separated because right after her mother passed away, 
she decides to up and move the family back to Icicle Falls on Candy Cane Lane. And Rob had just taken out a loan and opened up a third hardware store three hours away. So he was traveling back and forth and it was just really hard on them and they were fought a lot. And so he left. But now he's back because he misses them and he wants to work things out. I will say... Again, with the marriage problem. I mean, it's so freaking depressing. Everyone has freaking marriage problems here. Um, Like, four marriage problems here. Again, I can understand. Like, it seems a real thing. So, death in the family can put stress on a marriage. Lack of communication definitely puts stress on a marriage. Having to travel for work definitely puts stress on a marriage. So I get all of that. Ivy tries to do everything herself because she refuses to let Rob help in any way, shape, or form. And at first that's really annoying. But then when he finally says, because like her neighbor keeps remarking that she doesn't have any lights up and... When she tries to do it, she ends up falling off a ladder, very Christmas with the crank style. Um, And Rob is there, and he's like, why won't you let me help you? And she says, because I don't want you to. I don't want to need someone who doesn't want to be here. I felt that as a single woman. (laughs) I felt that. Like, that line... I feel like really resonates with people or can really resonate with people. I don't want to need someone who doesn't want to be here. And he's like, and she she says, because it hurts. And he says, you know, I don't want to hurt you. I'm, I'm sorry that it hurts you when you need my help uh, because I don't want to do that. They are trying to co-parent their daughter uh, and she keeps Like, she just wants to spend time with both of them. And Ivy's just doing all of these things. But then Ivy keeps saying, no, you're the most important thing. That other thing can wait. Um, At the same time, so her next door neighbor, who was in another movie, and I can't think of what it was because I would look that one up so I could get her name. Because I don't have her name. um, Is... Like her candy canes keep getting vandalized every day. And so one of the other people that have just moved on the street was this uh, girl that Ivy went to school with. And now she's a police officer. And so they're trying to figure out who is behind this. And they come to the conclusion that they think that it's her, the next door neighbor. But when they finally catch her, it's Jordan, their daughter. And Ivy and Rob are like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Uh, in the end, obviously, they reconnect and he proposes again and and then she quits her job at the Christmas store that her mother had run and quits her, like, the head duties of the Christmas extravaganza event council, whatever it's called, uh, so that she can focus on making scrapbooks for her daughter. I know. I know, everyone. I know. I take the bullet for you guys every week on these movies. Uh, yeah, so she quits all of her jobs so that she can be a stay-at-home mom and support her husband. 
which is fine. If that's what you want to do with your life, that's fine. I would be okay with that. Like, I personally would be okay with just being a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I'm a nanny right now, so... And, and I run my own shop, which I would still run my own shop as well. But yeah, I would be okay with that. That would suit me just fine because it's basically what I do anyway. It's just the children are mine and I don't leave at the end of the day. Um, Yeah, it doesn't shock me at all that that would be a Candace movie. But again, it was based off of a book. So I'm assuming that this is coming from the book. But, um, you know, as far as this review goes, it uh, it was it was a three. Did I mark it as a three or a four? I might have actually given it a four. Hold on. Um, I might have given it a four because I, too, was trying to figure out who was behind it. Like, I couldn't, I did not think it was the daughter at all. No, I gave it a three. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the three. Um, and again, the marriage problems. Yeah, that seemed real. It, it was just, it's just too coincidental to be a coincidence that Hallmark had Hall Out the Holly and then JAC Family puts this movie out. You know, it's just, that's, that's weird. That's suspicious. You know what I mean? Uh, but overall, in terms of their movies, it, I've seen worse <laughs> this year. The Holiday Stocking. Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, The Miracles of Christmas, Saturday night, 10 p.m. slot. This movie, I knew I was going to cry. When I read the synopsis for it, I was like, I am going to cry. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry a lot. I knew it was coming. Um, This movie was exceptionally good. And the thing is, it actually didn't make me cry until the final five minutes. And then I was uncontrollably crying. I expected to cry more throughout the movie. And I had a couple of moments where I was getting a little choked up, but it was really the final five minutes. Oh man. Okay. So this is your warning. I might cry again. Okay. Um, I used to be a person that didn't cry in public. Not that this is public, but, you know, like not crying for other people to see. Uh, and I still, you know, genuinely try to do that because it feels embarrassing. Um, but yeah, that's your warning. So it reads, RJ is a new angel who is given the chance to address his one regret that he didn't help his sisters reconcile while he was still alive. Returning to Earth as a stranger, he gets each of them to revive the holiday stocking, their parents' old tradition to encourage charity at Christmas. Starred Nadine Ellis, Tamala Jones, and BJ Britt. So Robert has recently passed away a couple of weeks before Christmas and he's up in heaven kind of like in a waiting room kind of situation. And he's telling this like head angel lady who had on a fringe rhinestone jacket and a white fanny pack, obviously, and white gloves. Um, yeah. Tells her, you know, I, before I go on, like before I really get to heaven here, like I just have this one regret that my sisters don't talk anymore and I didn't get to make amends with them before I passed. Um, and so he has this whole box of stuff and she comes back basically, I think she's like talking to God and she's like, okay, you have 12 days. You have until Christmas 
to like the day of Christmas, so basically Christmas Eve, to get this straight. And if not, like you're just kind of going to have to live with it. So he's like, okay, great. And she's like, well, you can't go down looking like you. So he changes. So the actor changes from this older gentleman to BJ Britt's character. And now he goes as RJ. And he goes down and RJ to um, Danny and Marlo is like the lawyer executor kind of person to Robert's estate. And at first, Danny and Marlo both very against the idea of bringing back the holiday stocking, uh, which is a game that they played as a child, as children. Um, their father passed away. And so their mother who owned this bakery kept this tradition up and it, they would do five different riddles and whoever figured out the riddle first got to pick the community service thing that they would do. And they loved it growing up. And then it just kind of went away over time. And then everyone lost touch. Everyone became estranged. Robert, we come to find out, had marriage problems and money problems. And he was too embarrassed to tell anyone about it. And Marlo has taken over the bakery uh, their late mother's bakery. And she's just so overworked. I guess their mother had been sick and she was the one taking care of her. And Danny has gone on to become very successful and runs a big marketing PR firm in Chicago. But she, like, so she sent the money to pay for the nurse to take care of their mother, but she wasn't there. Sort of. And so that's why she and Marlo don't speak. Um, now, so anyway, they kind of, well, Danny's kind of into it. And Marlo's still like, I just don't have this time. But then her daughter is like, oh, that sounds terrible. Like, I don't want to do that. And yeah, keep me out of it. I don't want to volunteer. And hey, mom, by the way, the boots that I really want for Christmas are on sale for $300 this weekend only. And that's when Marlo's like, okay, well, we're doing it. We're going <laughs> to we're going to do this and you're going to learn volunteer and, and charity and service and all of this. And even then the girls are still kind of doing things their separate way. And RJ is trying this whole time to really get them together in the end. And he says, he tells them both, like, he wanted you to do the holiday stocking. He's got the five riddles. And at the end, then you'll get you know, what he wants to give you. And he says the charity that you're going to be benefiting is, I've, and I now I forget the name of the charity, but the person that runs it is single and Danny is single. And so it's also like he kind of helps play matchmaker to set them up. And like he keeps running into them and the whole time they're like, what is going on? Like, how does he know where we are all the time? And uh, the daughter, Marlo's daughter, is kind of like, I don't know what's going on and all this. And Danny's friend, um, what was her? Tiffany? T started with a T. Teresa? Whatever it was. Um, at one point, it's like, it's talking about the guy that runs the charity. She goes, okay, what's his name? Because I'm going to look him up. And Danny goes, he runs a charity. What is there to search for? And she goes, um, credit score, kids, wives. 
the um the Marlo's daughter, the her Danny's niece, when, when they're talking about how odd RJ is, she says he has a flip phone. If that's not suspicious, what is? And Danny just like finger gun points at her, like that's yeah, that's right. Um, and we come to find out like the whole point of the holiday stocking is because when their father wanted to propose to their mother at first, he said he was going to propose and that he had a ring in the stocking and their grandfather, her father intercepted it and said, the only thing that better be in the stocking is a joke or is a riddle because you're a joke. And (laughs) so that's the holiday stocking with riddles in it because a joke. Um, so in the end, like the girls have this falling out and, RJ tells the head angel lady, like, you have to give me tonight. Like, you have to give me these, like, the one more day because, you know, I will fight until my very last second here to do this. And she's like, all right, you're stalling for time. But one, one more day, like, you get basically these last 12 hours this night to fix it. And in the end, Danny... And Marlo, I mean, like, they get to this kind of, like, knockout, drag out kind of fight because the Danny, it comes to be that she was kind of using the charity work to help promote her business, uh, to help her company. And Marlo's like, I knew it. Like, I knew you couldn't do this for yourself. And Danny's like, well, yeah, but I wanted to be with you, too. And, like, I want to spend this time with you. And you're my only sister. And we're all we have left now. Uh, and like Marlo's husband's like, well, you know, did you, did you give her a chance to hear her out? And Marlo's like, no, and I'm not going to. And the guy is like talking to Danny, like, well, but you know, did you do it? She's like, no, Marlo's stubborn. (laughs) But anyway, the, the pair end up making up and Danny steps down so that she can do more volunteer work. And she shouts out the bakery and Marlo's like, that's my sister right there. And then they both get this text to show up to the bakery. It's Christmas Eve. And when they get there, uh, everything's lit up and they walk inside and RJ, Robert, has like, he's Christmas magic. He's angel magic with snapping his fingers. Um... Because, well, so they get, once they get things fixed, the angel comes down and she's like, all right, let's go. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I, you have to give me these, that's when he's like, you have to give me these final hours. Um, and he goes, how do you get the, the angel snap? Like, how do you get the snap to work? And she says, well, you were missing the final piece. And now that your heart is whole. (sighs) Okay. She goes, now that your heart is whole, you can do it. So he's angel snapped all of this magic in. And so it looks like their childhood living room. And the girls are like, oh my gosh, you know, this looks just like it did. Like, who who did this? How did this happen? And RJ comes out and they're like, oh, RJ, you know, you're here. And he says, well, like, congratulations. You did it. You solved the holiday stocking. And here is what Robert wanted to give you. Um. And he gives them, oh my gosh, I knew I was going to cry again. So he gives them the box of stuff and Danny pulls out her camera that she had when 
she was little and Marlo gets the apron, uh, their mother's apron. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this without sounding so crazy. Uh, crazy crying. And they're like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? It's Christmas. Uh, you should, and Marlo's like, you should come. Uh, we're going to have dinner and everything. And he's like, I'm sorry, ladies, I can't. Oh, God. And they're like, well, are we ever going to see you again? And he says, yeah, one day. And he's, um, and he says, okay, well, you're like, I have to go now. And they go, okay. And he just kind of waves at them and he's just standing there staring at them. And they're looking at him and then all of a sudden he momentarily flashes to Robert and then goes back to RJ and then walks out. And they're like, wait a minute. And Danny had taken a photo and I was like, oh my gosh, is it? going to be Robert, like, is it going to show Robert there? They never actually show the Polaroid there. But uh, he walks out and they're like, wait, wait, wait. And they walk out, they like run out and they're like, where did he go? And Marlo says he's either like incredibly fast or, you know, like he just disappeared into thin air and he's standing in the Christmas market and snow starts falling and he just kind of nods his head. It was so emotional, and I think, like, oh, gosh. I think this movie was so emotional for me and for my mother, and if my aunt had watched it, uh, because I think especially for my mother, it probably really reminded her of my uncle that had passed away uh, a couple of years ago, right after Christmas. And that that's just something that, like, I could definitely see my Uncle Brian doing. I know that I would cry about this, <laughs> even if I paused it and tried to start again. Um, this movie is so good. I think I may have cried more in this one than Time for Him to Come Home last week. Um, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries absolutely, absolutely did their jobs here. This, like, I would love to watch it again. And also I could never watch it again and be okay in my life because it's so emotional. But like, if you need a cry, absolutely watch this movie. Um, and even if you don't need to cry, like I said last week, you have to watch it. Just make sure you have lots of tissues because even, what, four days later, here I am still bawling my eyes out again talking about it. Okay, embarrassing crying aside again. I just knew, oh my gosh, those final five minutes were so emotional. Um, yeah, and I just, I think, I mean, my mom was really crying and I really think it had to do with the fact that I just think it really probably reminded her of my late Uncle Brian. Um, yeah. Anyway, I will start crying again, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore, but so, so good. Can't recommend enough if you need a good cry. Um, 
I don't think a single Hallmark Movies and Mysteries movie last year made me cry the way last week and this week have. Um, what were the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries Christmas movies last year? I don't know. We're, we're, we're already going along here. Um, yeah. Anyway, Christmas on the Rocks was... <sighs> Sundays of TV movie. Does anyone notice a trend here? Uh, the Sunday movies, or sorry, the up TV movies this week were, it was Christmas in the wilds, Christmas on the slopes, and Christmas on the rocks. If, if, if it had been Christmas on the wilds, which I know doesn't make sense, so it couldn't be, we could have just had a weekend of Christmas on the, and then fill in the blank for the other word feels intentional. Um, of course, there is still no synopsis here. Here's here's my issue with all this. You guys made this movie months ago. How do you not have everything uploaded into all of the systems? You know what I mean? Like, if I can be here after midnight, working a full-time job, running a shop, during holiday season, if I can be here recording this podcast, sitting on my floor for over two hours, the least y'all can do is give me the information that I need. One, Lifetime doesn't have Zach Rorig's character name from serving up the holidays. GAC Family doesn't have three of their main actors listed at all for Candy Cane Lane. Now, I don't even have a synopsis here for Christmas on the Slopes. Sorry, Christmas on the Rocks. <laughs> I knew I was going to do that. With Up TV. I get it, okay? We're tired, all right? It's week seven wrap up here. We're, we're, we're at our capacity here with Christmas movies, and we have two more weeks to go. Um, Do your jobs, because I'm here doing mine. And I, well, I do kind of get paid for this, but not really. I don't even get paid for this. Y'all get paid for this. Do your jobs. Um... The synopsis that I'm going to come up with is um, identical twin sisters end up having to do a twin switch when one is supposed to be throwing, hosting a Christmas party as an event planner, breaks her foot the night beforehand, and her other sister steps in and takes the role while also running into her lost ex-boyfriend, and they rekindle a romance while she's pretending to be her sister. It starred Lila Porter follows as the twins, Jennifer slash Sarah. Yes, I know. Another Sarah. And this is up TV. Another Sarah. I actually, and John McLaren. Sorry. I just want to say that as, as Mac, that was his name. See, they don't even have who his character's name was. Um, who was the other Sarah? Wait, there was another Sarah. I'm looking through my notes app. I'm because I know I wrote it down. Um, mm, oh, maybe there was only one Sarah this week. No, I felt like there was two. I don't know. I might think of it later. Um, 
Anyway. Okay, so Jennifer is the event planner. She's supposed to be doing this event for this tech woman who is like the knockoff up TV version of Jane Lynch, uh, which Lila Porter follows to me at times looks a little bit like young Julia Stiles. And then John McLaren basically looks like the up TV version of Josh Lucas. So I was just like watching this movie, just you know, like, being like, oh, that's who they kind of look like a little bit. Um, so her twin identical twin sister, Sarah, had already decided to fly in to help her with the event and so that they could spend Christmas together because this event was going on over Christmas time. And she lands and calls her sister like, yeah, finally off the airport. I'm almost there. And Jennifer's like, Sarah, I need you to do this big favor for me. I broke my foot last night after we talked. I need you to be me. And so she's like, I can't do that. Like, I'm a chef. I'm not a event planner. She's like, no, you can do it. And I'll be here every step of the way talking you through it. So Sarah's like, or sorry, Jennifer's like, okay, okay, fine. I'll do it. She walks in immediately smack dab, runs into, wait, did I mix the names up? No, I don't think I did. I think I have them right. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but, um, so, she immediately runs into Mac, the boy that got away. Uh, they dated, they were in love, he broke up with her, and she still loves him. And he's like, Jennifer, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. And and she's already checked in as Sarah. And so someone else, like the assistant, is there and she's like, Jennifer? And she's like, oh, yeah, I have an identical twin sister and all this. And he's like, oh, yeah, I used to be able to tell you guys apart so easily. I guess I was wrong. Anyway, you're like, yeah, tell your sister I said hi. He's there because he wants five minutes alone with this tech woman to try and pitch his idea because she has a basically like an Apple watch and he's developed this app that's supposed to revolutionize dating for users that have this app on the watch. At one point, they sync watches, and it comes back at, like, 24% compatibility, 24, 28, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, But then later on, she like, right at the very end, because he wants to do it, and she's like, no, don't do it. Remember, we're only 28. And he's like, that's why I wanted to fix it, because... Like, the watch was synced to Sarah's specifications, so not Jennifer's, and now it's Jennifer, and it's like, it's a match. Um, so I don't know if she didn't have the watch beforehand, and then she got one, and I missed that point, and they just set it up under Sarah, but she's Jennifer. Anyway, they immediately are in a room alone together, and I'm like, tell him that you're Jennifer. She doesn't do that, and I was like, that's... I'm like, why? Tell him right now. There's no one else around. Tell him right now. This doesn't make any sense. She doesn't. I was like, this is going to end terribly bad. I like, obviously, they're going to end up together, but this is going to have stupid drama and it's going to end terribly bad. Anyway, they get to this point where, because like all these things keep going wrong and, and she's not an event planner, but they get to this one thing that they're doing and they, they end up kissing up, up TV? Uh, hello, that was not an up TV kiss. 
I'm going to say that right now. Um, more like a mauling occurring. Um, something that definitely goes on lifetime. Not, not up TV. Uh, I haven't seen a kiss like that since Kevin McGarry and Kayla Wallace in my grown up Christmas list where tongue, you literally saw the tongue because they're dating in real life. Um, I was like, holy. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry and everything. Obviously, all of his suspicions are confirmed and he knows that it's Jennifer at that point. So he confronts her and he's like, why wouldn't you tell me? Like, why wouldn't you tell me that it's you all along? She's like, I just, I was going to tell you. And I, but girl, you had so many chances. If I were him, I would have been like, I don't want to hear it. So at first he's very upset with her. And meanwhile, they're also realizing that the tech woman's partner, ex-partner, um, very sleazy guy. Like one, he looks like he's about five, seven. He also looked like he was starting to bald and he's the bad guy. I'm like, my guy, please pick a struggle. Okay. You can only do one. In the words of Drew Afuelo, you can only like pick a struggle. You can't do all of it. Okay. So anyway, um, they end up working together because the, he has pulled the, uh, generator plug thing out so that there's no power in time for all of these meetings and they end up making up in this moment again it's again it's like pfft. and then they underhand like they undercut the um the bad guy but it like worked out in the end for them and they end up together she actually tells the tech woman I'm actually not Sarah. I'm her sister, Jennifer. It, so I gave it a four because for an identical twin switch with a bad guy trying to sabotage things involved, I expected him to be the person to reveal her true identity. And that would be when Mac would find out and the tech woman would find out and then they would all hate her. And that didn't happen. And those kids, I'm telling you. So maybe they're dating in real life. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I got a four in the end. So Up TV salvaged the weekend on a Sunday. Um, The afterhand, the paperwork side here, though, you're still lacking. Undercover Holiday, that was Sunday's Hallmark movie. See, that's the third one this week on Hallmark with holiday in the title instead of Christmas. Um, like out of their four movies, three of them had holiday in the title. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you know what though? That doesn't really, like it. I don't really care either way. Um, I just, I, I find that really interesting, but also it, it's okay with me because like, when everything is like when everything has Christmas in the title, at some point I feel like you run out of titles. You know what I mean? Because I think there probably already is a movie called Undercover Christmas. So <laughs> Undercover Holiday. Sir Stephen Huzar and um Noemi Gonzalez. 
It reads, when returning home for the holidays, newly minted pop star Jalen tells her protective family that Matt is her new beau, when in reality, he's her overzealous security guard. Here I was thinking, finally, Stephen was going to be in a movie where we didn't have to solve a mystery because, frankly, I simply have not cared about a single mystery that he has ever tried to solve. The movies Stephen Hussar has been in, I'm just gonna, I'm sorry, I, I should have prepped this ahead of time. I didn't. Um, but you guys have been along for the ride now seven weeks in, so you already knew that I never, we just, we just roll with it here. Okay, let's go over his Christmas movies. And uh, this is, what? Oh God, he was in another Christmas movie this year, so that'll show up next year probably on Up TV. What? That's called Christmas. I'm sorry. He's apparently in another Christmas movie called Christmas in Rockwell. And it reads, when a big town star goes home to her small town to celebrate Christmas, confusion and romance lead the holiday festivities. That's basically this one. I'm so confused right now. Uh, Okay, anyway. So, Undercover Holiday ended up being also having a mystery. Okay, so that's one. Time for us to come home for Christmas. That involved a mystery. Okay, Christmas in the Rockies did not have a mystery. Um, what channel's that on? With Taylor Cole? He's in a mystery series show with Taylor Cole? What? Okay. Like, why is he always in mysteries? Okay. Uh, anyway, back to it. Mistletoe Magic. That was a mystery movie. A Homecoming for the Holidays. That one wasn't mystery. Hometown Holiday. No, that was Christmas Wedding Planner. That was it. The one on Netflix. That actually was... That that is actually one of the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen in my whole entire life. That, yeah. So fifth, fourth, this is his foot, the fourth mystery movie. Time is a charm. I finally cared. Okay. I was enthralled the whole time. I marked it as a favorite. Um, he, ex-Navy SEAL, now bodyguard for this producer. Oh, well, gets hired by, from, for, so, la, la, la. He gets hired by her record label to protect her because coming home to her rented mansion after winning this pop star reality TV show, um, her place had been broken into and there was a weird note left. And she goes home and she tells him, look, my family is very overprotective. They think that I'm not safe here. They think I can't take care of myself. So you can't tell them that you're my bodyguard and you just have to be my new boyfriend. And he's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want it. But then he goes along with it because she's like, nope. Then I'll tell people I want someone else to come. Throughout the week that they are there, week, two weeks, whatever, however long they're there, more notes show up that he and her brother intercept. Now, her brother thinks, though, that he's just like a protective boyfriend, basically. And they do not tell her about these notes. So throughout this time, they really connect with one another and they have a lot of these chats and he has this thing and he's like, you plot, plan and execute, no fear. And so 
her whole thing is she wants to produce her own music, like her music, where she's singing both in English and in Spanish. And her uh, producer is like, oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But right now you just have to do this. And so Matt's like, look, if you're not happy, you know, you got to plot, plan and execute. How are you going to do this? And so um, when she comes up with this, plan, she's like, I have a plan. Plot, plot. And he goes, that's my girl. Love. That, that might have been after they kissed. And like, again, hello. Uh, no, I mean, it wasn't like Christmas on the rocks uh, kind of kiss, but like, it wasn't bad. Um, but he also tells her at one point, we should, we shouldn't have to make ourselves small to make others feel comfortable. So be bold, be brave, use your voice. I love that. She might actually be the one that says that. I didn't actually write down who said that. Someone said that in the movie and I wrote that down because I really, really love that line. Um, and he tells her at one point, he, he, or because he doesn't have a family to go home to for Christmas. And so she says, oh, like, I'm so sorry. I must sound so terrible to you. You know, here I am complaining about this and you don't have that. And he says, no, we do what we know. And he says, and I've seen how your family treats you and, you know, they shouldn't do this to you. Um, and her family is great, but they are very overprotective and they do treat her very much with kid gloves on. And so he says, we do what we know. And, you know, that's what they know. You know, you're not doing, you know, I'm, I'm not offended by your comments about this because, you know, that's what you know. And you, you should. And, and I, I think it is the, I think he is the one that says it because then he says it after that, we shouldn't make ourselves small to make others feel comfortable. And, and I love that. And he's like, just telling her all the time, like, plot, plan, execute. We love, we love supportive men trying to build up women. Like, oh, we love it. Um, the town is Squirrels Hollow. I do kind of want to take off points for that. Squirrels Hollow. Squirrel Hollow. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I'm not going to tell you who sends the notes. Because I want you to watch the movie and I want you to, like, try and figure this mystery out. Because this was the movie, I was watching it at my aunt's house with my mom and my aunt. As you guys know, my aunt, not a big fan of the Hallmark movies at all. We, all three of us, we were in it again, like the royal nanny, trying to figure out the mystery behind this. And I said, my mom was convinced it was one person and it wasn't at all. I was like, you're totally wrong. Um, like I would have been shocked if it had been this person. Um, and then I'm like, that's too, I'm like, see, I want to say it's this person, but that seems too easy because that seems too obvious. And it's like, it's never the obvious person, but it was, but it also like, it turns out that the notes weren't left to be creepy. They just sounded creepy anyway. Um, yeah, then she finds out about the notes. She's like, you're just like them. You didn't trust me. And that I was like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate pointless drama. But then he puts on the frankincense costume again for the wise men because they did a live nativity. 
and he quotes something because he's like, you're never getting another costume out of me. Uh, and she's like, look, you're part of the family now. It was very, like, it was the line basically from, like, New Orleans Noel. That was the overarching theme, I think, this week was outsiders being welcomed, welcomed into big families because Henry doesn't have family and so live in a big fat family. Christmas says, well, like you're going to be part of the Chang family now. Like pretty sure my family's adopted you. And then in a new Orleans Noel, he's like, well, you're part of the family now. And then here we have this and she's like, Oh, well you're part of the family now. Like whether you like it or not. Um, yeah. Overall love this movie. The mystery part of it, like it wasn't focused on the mystery part, but the mystery element to it, I loved. This is now the third little mystery element that Hallmark has done this year, and I love them because it keeps you more engaged in what's going on with the rest of the plot. And yeah, I gave it a five star. I um I marked it as a favorite. Steven, congratulations. Out of all of the Christmas movies that I've watched you in, you finally got one that I actually really enjoy. Merry Texmas was Lifetime Sunday Night Movie. I was really looking forward to this movie when I read the synopsis of it because I love a good, like, wrong number text leads to love story. I don't know. Is that a trope in itself? I don't know. Um... And this one got a four. Again, Lifetime hit me with this movie. One, great name again. Merry Texmas. Cloudy with a Chance of Christmas. Love. This Thursday, they have one called Sensational Christmas. A sensational Christmas because it involves candle makers. I'm obsessed with the name. You know what I mean? Names on point. Synopsis, the plot line of it, great. It was the chemistry lacking again. There just wasn't enough of it. It reads, every year the family gathers at Abuela's house in Mexico. When Gabby accidentally adds Alex to the family group chat, her well-meaning family decides to secretly invite him to join them for Christmas. It also reads, Gabby Diaz is an app developer from Austin, Texas, and the last unmarried sibling in her very close, very traditional family. Every year the Diaz family gathers at Abuela's house and... Um, oh... Oaxica, oh, uh, oh, it, it one Oax. Uh, see, I can't like look at it how it's spelled because I remember how they said it, and now I can't think of how it's said. Anyway, in Mexico, a town renowned for its twelve challenges of Christmas, which playfully ignites the entire town's Christmas spirit. When Gabby accidentally adds Alex Alvarado, a handsome graphic designer who's lost touch with his own Mexican roots, to the family group chat, her well-meaning family decides to secretly invite him to join them in Mexico for Christmas. As they play matchmaker for Gabby and Alex, can the Diaz family help the pair recognize that each is actually the other's perfect Christmas gift? Starred uh, Rodrigo Massa as Alex and... Ariana Ron Pedriga as Gabby. I have never been more sad to be a white woman living in Ohio than, you know, watching a movie like this. Like, the family traditions going on, I'm like, I want to be Mexican. I want to be Spanish. I want to have, well, I, I guess Spain. I don't know. They probably do different. Like, I want to be Mexican. Like, 
I've watched so many. We, we had Well Suited for Christmas. We have This Merry Textmas. Undercover Holiday had it. Um, the, oh God, I've just lost the name of the Freddie Prince Jr. one. You guys know what it was. We had Sweet Navidad. Like all of these great Latin America, because they're all from different countries uh, within Latin America. Um, Mexico and Latin America, I should say. All of these great traditions. I'm like, I don't have anything. And like, and that's something that I've been saying, I've just been saying to my family recently, anyway, for years. I'm like, we don't have any family traditions. Like we don't wear the same pajamas. We don't bake a special Christmas breakfast. Like we, we don't have, like, we don't do, we don't sing carols at a certain time or do anything. We, we don't have any kind of tradition. So anytime I watch a Christmas movie with these strong family traditions, and especially when it's rooted in their cultural traditions, I'm like, I, ooh, lame, I want something better. So... This movie, like, right from the start, Gabby's like, look, I'm just going to make a group chat, add everyone to it, be so much easier for everyone involved. And she immediately gets distracted and does a phone, like, just two numbers wrong. And then Alex is in this, his own, like, work chat meeting. And then all of a sudden, his phone's like, ping, 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 ping. And they're like, are you okay? And he's like, uh, yeah, and he looks at it, and he's like, oh, yeah, it's the wrong number, and they're like, but what do they want? And he's like, oh, well, it looks, oh, like a group chat, and oh, family Christmas down in Mexico. And so he kind of interacts with them, and Gabby's like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. And everyone's like, hi, Alex, what's going on? Like, how are you? <laughs> and they're like, sorry to hear about your stomach problems, because he's like, hey, Diaz family, like, I think you accidentally added me in here. Um, but, like, if it were me, I would do this because if that's too spicy, like, I have stomach issues. <laughs> I love it, though. And so they chat for a couple of days and Gabby at one point's like, hey, like, Alex, I'm just going to take you off the group chat so we're not bothering you. And he's like, oh, it's not bothering me at all. And then everyone's like, no, don't go. <laughs> so then Gabby and Alex actually meet because they both end up at the same coffee shop and it turns out they're both there in Austin and they both are app develop well like web designer and app de developer so basically basically the same thing almost um so like you study medicine like okay it's a different form of technology but you're still doing technology at the end of the day and she's like oh my gosh like this is weird and then that day her father texts Alex and says, hey, we'd like to invite you and don't tell Gabby. So when they show up and she shows up there and he's there, she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I didn't. Okay, I got invited to family Christmas. Her abuela's like, look, they just told me today like or last night that they were bringing a guest. And then he's like, I'm so sorry, I don't speak Spanish. And they're like, I thought you said you were Mexican. And he's like, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> so anyway, the whole week they're doing all of these things and the whole family is trying to put them together. And Gabby's like, oh, I have to work on the app. Oh, I have to do this or that. And he's like, well, if you need any help, she's like, oh, no, I've got it. Oh, no, I've got it. And, and she keeps throwing all these cold shoulders. And the family's like, 
cut it out. Stop it. Like, let him help you. Like, he wants to help you. So then they do end up working together on it. And in the end, it's all because of a language barrier. The mayor of the town gets the app because he texted him a link just to look it over. And then she's like, I can't believe you would do that just to make money. And he's like, what are, what are you talking about? He didn't, like, he didn't do that at all. Um, so the mayor has to come over and he's like, no, that this is my fault and everything. Again, like, the movie's a four. It was super cute. The chemistry was just lacking between the two of them. You can't fake chemistry. I don't think I said that last week, but you can't. You can't fake it. And, um, yeah, the, I don't know. The the whole, I, I mean, that uh, probably would kind of be me, too. I don't know. Maybe that's why I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, girl, let him help you. He wants to help you. Um, yeah, but I mean, they end up together and I don't like, it's kind of fun to imagine. Like, do you remember that challenge when people were texting their neighbor number, number neighbor? Yeah, their number neighbor. Um, and there was like one number up or one number down from there. So like, hey, I'm your number neighbor and everything. It kind of reminded me of that. Moving to the final movie, it is Jen, Lily, and Jesse Hutch's movie on GAC Family, B&B Mary. This is my favorite Jen, Lily movie that she's ever done. And when I say that, I mean I've disliked every single movie Jen, Lily's ever been in. There hasn't been a one. Not a one that I've liked. So this says a lot about it. I gave it a four. I think I gave it a four. Could have given it a three, but I think I gave it a four. It reads, Tracy, a travel blogger, is invited by Graham Cooper to Christmas getaway for... Okay, we're missing some words in here. Invited to a Christmas getaway for... From at his family's bed and breakfast, small bed and breakfast. That's probably how it was supposed to read. B&B is facing tough competition from a hotel resort that has been stealing guests and threatened survival of the family business. I don't understand how Jesse <laughs> typecast role solidified Jesse Hutch always with a family with a small business threatening to be shut down because it's not profitable. Every time, every time, every time, every time. Um, I mean, that's not the line. It's everything, everything. Um, every single movie he's in, his family runs a farm, a and b something else. And every single one, they're almost going to be shut down because they're not making enough. He's already been in. Wasn't he in? No, maybe that wasn't him. No, I'm pretty sure Jesse Hutch was the one with Candace Cameron Bure and Let It Snow or whatever that was called way back in the day. I'm never going to find that movie and we are already running super long. Anyway, so um, Tracy used to be a lawyer. Now she's a travel blogger and she does, her name is Tracy Wise. And so her tagline is like, just remember, you can always travel if you travel wise. And Graham's family invites her to tr come to the B&B and write a review on it. And she also gets tasked with doing the bigger named resort as well. She doesn't tell Graham this at first. And on top of that, everyone knows her to be in a relationship. And she immediately gets broken up with. Um, 
So at first she doesn't say anything and they're like, oh, well, you know, if your boyfriend's not going to make it in yet and, you know, you can do this. And she's like, well, it doesn't have to be romantic things and I can do anything really. So she hangs out with Graham and then her family sees some Instagram photos. She's like, oh, they're like, oh my gosh, her boyfriend's been spotted in Paris with this other girl. So she's like, oh no, we kind of broke up. And so she and Graham get really close throughout the week. And then he finds out that she's also been tasked with writing a review on the resort as well. And he's like, oh, so it's always been business. It's always just been about business. She's like, no, I, you know, that's, I, I have to do this, but I really care about your B&B and I want it to work out for you. And so in the end, this review comes out and I mean, she makes it very clear. She's like, look, is the resort nice? Yes, but it's cold and it's not friendly. And, you know, they can't help you with what to do around town. And if you want all of that, go to the B&B. Uh, and so he kind of reads that to her and he's like, he apologizes for the assumptions and everything. And what really struck me in this movie, like this, what? And again, when I find a four on GSC family, I'm kind of like, is it a four because it's good or is it a four because it's good for GAC family. Like, would this hold up on Hallmark or Lifetime? I, I, like, it could be a three on those channels. Not because it's bad, but because it's not necessarily a new um, kind of movie. You know, we've seen these kind of movies before. But what I appreciate in it... very light on the drama. And Jen Lily's characters usually play these very know-it-all, very uppity, shrill characters that even when they absolutely don't know it all, she's like just off the chains know-it-all. And she was not this in any way, shape, or form in this movie. And I feel like this is closer to who Jen Lily is in real life. I don't know. But um, yeah, this movie, it was enjoyable. It actually, it actually was enjoyable for Jen Lilly and GAC family. And on that note, before we sign off on this podcast, I just want to say that on the heels of Neil Bledsoe leaving GAC family after his movie Christmas at the Drive-In last week with Danica McKellar, I applaud Neil Bledsoe for this. I think it is always important to stand up for what you believe is right. And for someone to see that excluding people to fit a certain narrative when you do so much work with these people and your friends with these people, uh, with this community... And then working with a channel that would openly try to keep stories from this community not being told um, is wrong and hypocritical and standing up for it and leaving. I don't know if he had a multi-picture deal set up uh, or not, but he was like, I didn't even promote my movie because my movie came out after this stance was made. And the more I sit on it, the more I know that I cannot work with this channel. That is such 
a breath of fresh air. And I just want to thank Neil for those statements uh, because I think a lot of people probably needed to see that. And end of the day, um, I've made remarks on TikTok about this and I've talked about it on Instagram. I'll, and I mean, I've, I've said things here as well. Um, you, like, it is Candace's prerogative to say she wants traditional value, traditional marriage values or traditional family values, whatever she used. That's her prerogative. And people that want to watch that, fine. But the people that work there then should only support that. Candace has done movies with openly gay um, people, not characters, openly gay actors. Um, so that's hypocritical of her point blank right there. Um, one of their movies that they bought to put on this channel was a woman trying to break up a relationship. That doesn't seem very traditional. Uh, marriage values, traditional family values there. Uh, they've hired Lori Laughlin, um, who went to jail, federal prison for lying and getting her children to lie and cheating the system. That doesn't seem very traditional family values that you want to uphold, high moral code. Um, and then, yeah, they have several movies featuring divorced parents. So stick to what you say and believe what you say. And I applaud Neil for seeing that and saying, you know what? I actually don't support that view and I'm not going to work with a company that is doing that. Um, yeah. And, and on that note, traditional values, it's not that I am triggered. Someone just, <laughs> I had this TikTok comment saying, sorry that traditional values trigger you. And I was like, um, they don't. Uh, the thing is, is I was raised by a single mother by choice. I don't know my father. Um, and I beat every statistic out there. I mean, my mother's great. Um, uh, but I graduated college twice. I have an undergrad in international business and a minor in economics. It was one class away from being a double major. And then I also have an MBA that I achieved at the age of 22 in under five years. So, um, I am not a poster child for traditional marriage values of having a mom and a dad, but I think I was raised pretty well in the end. And if you think that the only way to get your point across is to show happily married men and women together to promote family values, that's something that you should really think on and really consider at the end of the day. And that's all I'm going to say about that. On that note, I am signing off on this podcast. <laughs> we have less movies and I've gone longer than I have the last couple of weeks. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, next week, week eight, let's see what else fallout we have going on. See what new drama we can uncover here. We are continuing our run down uh, in movies. So I'm getting all of the questions on TikTok of what my favorites are, what my least favorites are, favorite tropes. If you have any of those questions, feel free to email me at sockbunstudios at gmail.com. You can reach out on Instagram at sockbunstudios or on TikTok at sockbunstudios. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. My brain is absolute mush now because the time is now 12.50 a.m. I should be in bed by now. 
glutton for punishment I am. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. So yeah, remember until next time, if he is not getting you fake snow from a Mardi Gras float because you said you really want to make snow angels, but you're in New Orleans, <laughs> he is not the one. Remember, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time.